Good morning. morning. If you've got your Bibles, Jeremiah chapter 29. If you've got your phones, open at Jeremiah chapter 29. If you've got a great memory, remember it. Jeremiah chapter 29. I believe that you and I are meant to hear the voice of God. Who believes that? We are meant to hear the voice of God. Now, if I think of points in my own life, in conversations I've had with friends, or those that I've pastored, what I've found is that hearing the voice of God becomes a stuck place. When we feel like we're not hearing the voice of God, it becomes a stock, a stuck place, and a block to our relationship with God, and often it becomes a point of offense that we hold towards Him. Has anyone found that? You're waiting to hear the voice of God and you feel like you're not hearing anything. All of a sudden you see a fence starts to build, the enemy has a road in. Now, as I have had conversations with people, generally I would respond with, are you reading the Bible? Overwhelmingly, the answer is no. And often it's because they say they don't understand it. That's the reality. We rarely teach on how to understand the Bible. Now, the Bible was never meant to be this historical text that was for then, back there and then. The Bible was written so that it could be for us here and now. It was designed to be one of the ways that we hear the voice of God. One of the ways, not the only way, that we hear the voice of God. We get to learn His heart. We get to learn His heart for us. We get to learn His heart for others. If you never heard the voice of God in any other way, there is plenty in the Bible, way more than you can ever comprehend, that would give you every direction that you need in your life. I think many people aren't reading the Word because they don't understand it, they don't know how to interpret it, and then they don't know how to apply it to their life. Today I want to equip you with a tool, a bit different today. I hope that as a result of you being here today and those that maybe watch online, that the Word of God would open more to you. It's interesting in pre-service prayer, I think Nicole started praying about a rock that has a crack and the water gets in and freezes and it cracks open. Um, And then uh, Emily confirmed it as well. I really feel that today is going to be one of those cracks that happen, that the tool is going to get in and now, now when you open the Bible, all of a sudden the voice of God is going to be so clear to you. So let's get going. To help us bring this tool to life, we're going to unwrap a passage together. So we're going to be in Jeremiah 29 in a minute. Now this tool, I think is officially called the interpretive journey. I like to call it the bridge because that's the picture that I get. So everyone close your eyes because I'm going to get you to get a picture in your mind. Now what I want you to think of, I want you to think of one of those really old school wooden bridges. Remember like you would see like in nursery rhymes or kids picture books, it's an archway that goes over a river, it's wood, often you have the stone pillars either side. Can you picture that? Over a river. Now on one side of that river, I want you to think of a town that was around a couple of thousand years ago. Think of one of those really old school ones, the biblical days, maybe you've seen some of those Uh, videos that um, demonstrate things from the Bible. So picture that town on one side. You've got a well there. You've got the thatch roofs. You've got someone maybe that's plowing the ground. Now on the other side of that bridge, I want you to picture where you live, the city that you live in. Have you got that picture? 
Open your eyes. Now, for the sake of explaining it, this is the picture that I get on the screen. Maybe something like you pictured. That was the best I could do because I'm not an artist. All right, so we've got this old school bridge that goes across a river. On one side, we've got this old world town. So picture Bible days, the thatch roofs, the hut. Think of what might have been happening then and there. Now, the other side is our modern day. I've got a city up there to represent it. That's the modern day. So I'm going to explain how we use this tool, and then we're going to unpack a passage in Jeremiah 29 together. So the first thing when we use this tool, so we've got a passage that we're trying to interpret. The first thing that's going to come up is what does a passage say then and there? Okay? So we get the passage. What I find is best to do is to stick yourself in that village. As you're reading the word, stick yourself in the village. Have a think about how you would be receiving the words that are being spoken. What does the passage say then and there? And now in this point that we're doing that, we're not trying to interpret it or understand it. We're just trying to have a picture of what did it mean when I received those words then and there. The next thing we do is we look at how wide is the river. Now, if you think of the difference between a city and a town a few thousand years ago, all of a sudden we've got straight away a cultural difference. The other things that we have in the gap of that river is back then, often it was before Jesus, if it's Old Testament. Now we're under the New Covenant, so there's a difference. The river gets a bit wider. Maybe in that passage they were speaking to a specific situation at a specific time that doesn't maybe apply to us. It was a timing thing, a culture thing, maybe depending on who the audience was and whether that was directed at the Pharisees or the Jews or maybe a king or a prophet. So there is a gap that happens in that river. And so what we're going to do is we're going to work out which things can come across that river into us. That's the next thing. What principles can cross the bridge? So we've got a passage that said something then and there. The only thing that can come across the bridge is a principle that would ring true back there and would ring true now. That's the difference. And the last thing is, how can I apply it here and now. So we've got what was said, we've got what was meant by what was said, the principle, we look at the difference between the two, we take the principle across the bridge, and then we apply it here and now. Does it sort of make sense? Okay, so what we're going to do, we're going to unpack a passage together. So we're going to start by placing ourselves in that old town. So picture what might have been going on. Now, we're reading from Jeremiah, so I'll give you the background to that. It's important if you just grab a passage randomly that you understand the context of that passage. This is what I, if I'm preaching, this is what I'm doing. As I was preparing for today, I'm like, oh, this probably makes sense to teach the people how to do this. I want to teach you to fish rather than me giving you all the fish. Okay, so what we're going to do, a quick Google search, and you'll realize that Jeremiah was a prophet. Now, a prophet is someone from... Generally speaking, so we have prophets now in the Old Testament context. The prophets were the way that the Jewish people heard the voice of God. So they weren't having, Jesus hadn't come, there wasn't, the separation hadn't been removed. People are waiting to hear the voice of God through the prophets. So Jeremiah is a prophet and he delivers a message to the people. Jeremiah is the one writing this passage. He's got a word from the Lord. So as we're reading it, 
we're hearing the word of the Lord through Jeremiah. He's delivering a message to the Jews that were in exile in Babylon. This is easy, just look up background to Jeremiah 29, takes you about a minute, gives you a right context of where you're placing yourself in the then and there, okay? So, there's been a number of invasions of um, Israel and then a number of the Jewish people end up in Babylon. So, Jeremiah's writing to the exiles that are in Babylon. So, the Jews were forced to live in a land that wasn't their own. They were displaced people in a foreign land and they were awaiting their freedom and their return to Jerusalem. So, pitch yourself back then. However you need to do it, pitch yourself as you were one of the Jews receiving this message, okay? Now we're going to read the passage. So we're going to read, read Jeremiah 29, verse 4 to 14. It's going to be on the screen. I'm going to be reading from the NIV version. This is what it says. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. A bit of context for you. In the previous chapters, there's a prophets that are speaking not from the Lord. So Jeremiah is warning uh, the Jewish people about them. Let's continue in verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon... I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. So we got a passage. Maybe you've read that passage before. I found in my life, before I learned tools, that it's easy to read them as stories and to really get nothing much out of it. Or we'll grab one of those favorite verses out of context and apply it to our life because we're trying to grab hold of stuff that makes sense to us. Maybe you recognize one of those verses in there. All right, so the first thing we're going to do is what does the passage say then and there? Okay? For the sake of time and we can't go into groups and start brainstorming, I'm going to give you eight things that I came up with from this. And there's more than that, but for the sake of time, we're going to talk about eight. So we put ourselves in that position. We understand if I was a Jew living in exile, what would I receive from this passage? If you've got it in front of you, I encourage you just to be flicking through because I'm going to sort of go in order as we go through those verses. So the first thing, I'm a Jew living in exile. The first thing I get is after hearing from the prophet, I know that God sees me and he hasn't forgotten about me. Do you think you get that? 
I know God sees me, he hasn't forgotten about me. Next thing is, God is giving me purpose and direction for my time in exile, to fully live, to plant down roots for myself and my family, building houses, planting gardens, having families. The previous prophet said it's going to be two years. Jeremiah comes and says, no, it's 70 years, and God's saying, make these 70 years count. Number three, remember, we're We're just saying, what does it say to them then and there? We're not trying to interpret it yet. I am to seek the peace and prosperity of Babylon. Now, this would have come as a surprise to you, don't you think? You're in exile in a nation that's come and attacked your people, and God's saying, seek the peace and prosperity of Babylon. That's what I would be a surprise to me. And God's saying to bless it. Okay. Number four, in seeking Babylon's peace and prosperity, I find my own peace and prosperity, and that's a promise from God. It's the word of the Lord, it's a promise from Him, and I take that. If I seek the peace and prosperity of the city I'm in, in Babylon, I'm going to find my own peace and prosperity. Number five, I'm being warned about the last prophet that spoke, that they've been, we've received some incorrect information from them, and Jeremiah's correcting it for us. So instead of two years, It's going to be 70 years. God's going to deliver us and return us in 70 years. That was number six. Number seven, God's plans for me are good, to prosper me and not to harm me. He cares about me and his people. Isn't it an encouraging passage if you were in exile to receive this from Jeremiah? Number eight, God hears me, and when I seek him, I will find him. As an exile, it's super encouraging you would feel really good, you've received a message from the Lord, it's probably going to give you uh, the energy to go through the next 70 years, knowing what's going to happen, but it also gives you direction for those 70 years of what to do during it. Next, we're going to look at how wide is the river, okay? So remember, this is a situation then and there, okay? So firstly, generally speaking, an Old Testament passage normally has quite a wide river between then and now. Okay, because Jesus has come, he's removed that punishment for sin. Our connection with God is direct rather than through other people. There's normally a quite wide gap. So we've got to remember when we look at principles that it's only the ones that can cover that from the old covenant to the new covenant gap that we can bring across to us here and now. It was addressing God's people. So we're God's people, aren't we? So there's probably the river comes a little bit closer to us. We're God's people too. God's people were in exile in a foreign land with foreign people in a city that didn't hold God's values. What do you think? We're not in Babylon, are we? So we can't take the context of Babylon. But if you remember, we've got to look at the the entirety of Scripture, which is important that you are actually reading it. Because as I read passages like this, other verses, I think of this verse and that verse and that one. And as I was reading this, I was thinking, well, in the New Testament, it talks about that we're citizens of heaven, that we're no longer of this world, that we're seated in heavenly places with God. So to some extent, I do see ourselves as exile. Just like the Jewish people there, they're waiting for their return to their land. We're waiting for our return to heaven to be with the Father. So to some extent, you could say we are exiles in a foreign land. Interestingly, what I found is that the river in this context is actually not that wide. It's highly unlikely in an Old Testament passage that the river, the river is small. 
but that's what I find because really it's talking about God's heart for his people and God's heart doesn't change. So a lot of what we're going to take as principles we'll be able to bring across into the new land. So next thing is, what principles can cross the bridge? So it says it up here. So the principles have to be have to meet all of these five criteria for it to make across to our time here and now. So the first one needs to be reflected in the text. So we can't take a few words out of context and take it as a principle. It needs to be written then and there and have a meaning then and there. It has to be timeless and not tied to a specific situation. Often you'll see passages of Scripture, even in New Testament, and the writer is addressing a certain problem at a certain time. So we can't take it and saying it was addressing that, but I'm going to take that verse and apply it to myself if I'm not in a similar situation. Next, it can't be culturally bound. Now, the great news is that with, um, when they take the Hebrew and the Greek and they put it into English or our language, uh, they try and make it make sense to us now as much as they can. So some of that is already done, but sometimes there is a context that doesn't apply to us now. It has to be, can't be culturally bound. It has to correspond to the teaching of the rest of Scripture. So God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I can't take something, and if God is not the same now, it um, doesn't correspond with the teaching of the rest of Scripture. So he's not going to say something as a principle that is contradicted in another area of the Bible. And then the last one is it's relevant to both the biblical and the contemporary audience. So the biblical is relevant to them then and there, and it's relevant to us here and now. All right, so what I'm going to do, if you leave that on the screen for me, I'm going to go through those eight points, okay? And I'm just going to talk out loud how I process them, okay? So the first thing is God sees me. He hasn't forgotten about me. Now, God was seeing the people, the Jewish people, in Babylon. It was really about a specific time, and I know God sees us, but that's not what the point of that first thing we take out. God was seeing those Jewish people in Babylon. So there's not really a principle that we're going to take out of that one. So we're going to leave that on the old side of the bridge. Now I'm going to combine point two and three. So point two is he's giving me purpose and direction for my time in exile, to fully live, to plant down roots for myself and my family, building houses, planting gardens, having families. Number three was I'm to seek the peace and prosperity of Babylon. I find myself in exile there, and God is saying for me to bless it. So that's what it said then and there, and we're going to draw out some principles from it. So we're not in Babylon, are we? Okay, we're not in Babylon, and I don't think God is telling us to seek the welfare of Babylon. But in the same way, as I said, I think we are in exile. We're in a city that doesn't hold God's values. We're waiting for our redemption, our freedom, our return home to heaven. So I think the principle that we can bring across is that we are to seek the peace and prosperity of the city that God has placed us in until we return home to heaven. And part of us seeking the peace and prosperity of the city that we're in is to fully live. God is not waiting for us to give our life to Jesus and then we just hang out and hope we make it to eternity. He's telling us to fully live, to plant down roots, to invest into the city that God's called you to to grow and raise families, to be a blessing to your city. That takes intentionality, not cowering away from the city, not cowering in our church communities and saying, let's just make it 
let's just hold on till the end. He actually wants us to be in the city, blessing our city, to fully live. If you're not fully live, fully living, I encourage you to seek help. God wants you to fully live your life. Number four, in seeking Babylon's peace and prosperity, I find my own peace and prosperity. I think the, the, the um, principle we can take out of it is that my peace and prosperity is found in my city's peace and prosperity. I think that's true. I think it's easy for us to say it's not true because it removes the responsibility from us. It becomes we can be self-centered. But if we're seeking the peace and prosperity of our city, all of a sudden we're outward thinking. And I think it rings true with what Jesus spoke about. Remember, it's got to come across, it's got to correspond to the rest of Scripture. So if I look at the rest of Scripture, Jesus talks about blessing our enemies, blessing those in need, blessing our neighbor. And when he describes who our neighbor is, he says it's the least likely person. If you think of the Jews in Babylon, as I said, it doesn't make sense to bless Babylon. But that's what God's saying. And interestingly, he's really bringing a New Testament concept and he's talking about it in the Old Testament. He's saying, even though you're in captivity there, in exile, you need to seek the peace and prosperity of that city because your peace and prosperity is bound by you seeking their peace and prosperity. So that's a principle that we're going to bring across into the new, um, the new side of the bridge. I'm being warned about the last prophet that spoke. If we needed to, we can take a principle. I don't think we need to. Uh, there's far better um, passages to look at. So we're going to leave that one on the old side of the bridge. God will deliver us and return us home in 70 years. Again, we're going to leave that in the old side of the bridge. That was for a specific situation at a specific time. Number seven, God's plans for me are good. To prosper me and not to harm me. This principle applies to his people both then and now. We see the same thought throughout the Bible. So it, it covers the full gamut of Scripture, this thought. But as we're talking concept, context, God's plans for us are in response to us seeking, to fully living and seeking the blessing of the city. Do you know that this, the most popular verse in the Bible is John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, I'll leave that alone. Second most popular verse, Jeremiah 29.11. In here, for I know the plans for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. If you've grown up in church, you would have had that spoken over lots. Whenever someone's not doing well, we give them that verse. Context is important. The context, that verse, is in seeking the, the peace and prosperity of the city. That's the context for the blessing. Yeah, we can, God can speak out of context. I don't think that's a default we should take. He can speak out of context because he can speak through a movie or a friend or something, okay? So he could take a verse and speak to us directly. But the, the whole idea behind this blessing that we get to stand in is in us blessing the city. It's interesting, isn't it? God hears me, and when I seek him, I will find him. That was something we took out of it. This principle applies across the board. Old and New Testament. It's hard to read the Bible and not get that out of it, that he sees us and he responds to us when we seek him. Even more so now that the barrier of sin has been removed. So we're on the new side of the bridge. 
Now that the barrier of sin is removed, even more so we can boldly approach God's throne of grace and seek help and comfort in our time of need. He responds to us seeking him. That's what we get out of it. He did it then and he does it now. So there's another principle. So I'm going to summarize the principles for you before we come across the bridge, okay? So I'm going to combine all those things into a nice little succinct package. While I'm living on earth, waiting for my homecoming to heaven, I need to fully live, be productive with my life, and be a blessing to those around me, particularly in my city, to seek the peace and the prosperity of my city. And as it is blessed, so too I am blessed. The blessing I bring is the blessing I receive. Fully living means I am not meant to hang out for heaven, but to be a blessing until heaven. Your life matters here and now, and our city needs you. And as I seek God for myself and my city, he hears me, and I will find him. He is waiting for me to go after him for my benefit and for that of my city. All right, we've got this principle. We're carrying over the bridge, okay? So we're walking into the new thing. Now, that's a principle. Cool. It sounds great. I think it sounds great. It's easy for it to be a great principle and let's do nothing with it. Let's be honest. We often hear messages and we don't do anything with it. So it's important we turn it into something that we can hear as a good principle. And now how do we apply it here and now? So the next one is, how can I apply it here and now? Again, for the sake of time, I'm going to give you how I'm going to apply it here and now. So I'm going to change what was a principle into an application. I get to make a choice each day to bless the city of Rockingham in prayer, in prayer and action to fully live for myself and my family and my fellow Christians and to fully live for my city. I choose to make my life count this side of heaven. I matter, my brothers and sisters in Christ matter and my city matters. I will make choices to see each of those relationships in my life live in peace and prosperity and to bring that to those I meet. The fullness of life that God has planned for me is found in the fullness of life of those I'm in relationship with and those that live in my city with. I will seek God with everything that I have, and I will find him. I will seek God for my family, and they will find him. I will seek God for my city, and they will find him. And as I bless my city, God blesses my life. It's easy for us to take a passage and just to read it as a story, but God wants to speak to you through that passage. He ministers to me through this passage. Now, I'm passionate about this city. But it takes action. It takes us moving beyond a good idea. It takes moving beyond prayer. And God's going to change this city. I encourage you to take this tool. Like, I'll put the notes up with the uh, sermon. Just picture the bridge. Like, it's such an easy thing to picture. You can picture the bridge, picture an old town, picture a new town, and through that, you're going to remember straight away how to do it. That's how I do it. If I'm sharing a message, that's how I do it. 
I stick myself in the passage. I see what does it say then and there. I, I get the, the concepts out, the thought. I look at the difference between then and now. I take it across the bridge, and then I apply it. So I encourage you to take this tool into your quiet time. It will make a dramatic difference to how you hear the voice of God. Don't just wait for an audible voice or for a prophetic word from a friend. Get into Scripture. There's no shortcut. You're not going to get that voice if you're not in Scripture. I encourage you just to spend a little bit of time each day. Take a small passage like that. It'd probably take you 15 minutes to do that in reality, and you'll get good at it. As I end, we're going to pray over this city. I'm going to invite, um, I'm going to invite Janelle up, if you can come up for me. The reason I've invited Janelle up is because I want someone from out of our city to pray over our city. Now, the next thing I want to do, has anyone lived in the city of Rockingham prior to 1980? A couple, anyone prior to 1970? Sorry, it might determine age. Uh, Marissa, can I get you to pray for us? Are you happy to come up? I know Marissa very well, so if this is just a random person to you. <laughs> She's not a random person. There you go. So what we're going to do, the three of us are going to pray for the blessing, the peace and prosperity over the city. Can I get you to pray first as just someone that's long-term in this city? And then if you can pass to Janelle, she's going to pray a blessing because really these, these Jewish people were in exile. They were praying for the peace and prosperity of the city they weren't in. So it's important that we're praying for someone that's in it, but also someone that's coming into this city, that we would receive that as our church community, that we're blessing this city. And then I'm going to wrap up uh, the... Cool. It's not the speaker mic. It looks like a different one. I'm not sure where the speaker one is. Is that all right to use this one? Yep. Cool. All right, let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for the privilege of being and living in this city, Lord. Thank you that your heart for it was established before the foundation of the world. You've had a love and a passion for this region long before we even existed, Lord. And we thank you that you appointed this city as the place that we should live. You appointed the very homes that we would live in, Lord, and the neighbours that we would have. Lord, your heart is passionate for the people that we cross and look at every day. We praise you, Lord, for your love and compassion that every one of these, Lord, you had purposed and planned way back, way back, Lord, that they should come to know you. And Father, you planned that we should be the ones that would take the words of life and the love of Jesus into their hearts and into their lives. I praise you, Lord, for the city of Rockingham and its regions, Lord. I praise you, Father, that this has city has a great destiny. And before the foundation of the world, you had written the destiny of this city in your book, Lord. And we are part of that destiny, Lord Jesus. And we proclaim, Lord, we come into agreement with your destiny for Rockingham. We ask that you would revive our hearts, Lord. We would awaken our hearts for this city. We pray, Lord God, that you would awaken us and make us passionate for your word and for the people that you love here. Children, men, women, people who are lost, 
people who are in hopeless, Lord. They're, they're crying out for you, Lord Jesus. And we can't hear their voices because we're too often busy with our own agendas. But Lord, change that. Change that, Lord. We bless our city. We bless our city with salvation, Lord, and with your righteousness to rain down from heaven so that salvation may spring up from this land and it will be a light to the nations, Lord God. Even Rockingham, Rockingham, does anything good come out of Rockingham? Yes. The Lord says, yes. There will be so much blessing come from this city to the rest of the world. Father, raise up your lights in this city. Raise up your evangelists from this city, Lord God. And they are our neighbours, Lord. They are the children that we see in our streets. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your passion. Thank you, Lord, that you will do this in us, Lord God. You will do it in us because we can't do a thing without you. And we praise you for the spirit that you've caused to live inside of us. Make us aware, Lord God. Make us aware that your spirit is mighty. Your plans will prevail. We praise you, God. What a privilege to know you and to live here. Thank you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Father God, I just just thank you for this people here today. Every person that you've brought to this place to hear this message and for what you are birthing in the hearts of your people. Lord, I thank you for Rockingham and the heart that Paradox has to reach the community. And that's your heart, Jesus. You see us. You meet us where we're at. And as your hands and feet, Lord, we bring your love. And that has the power to transform hearts and lives to redeem and to restore those that are broken and lost. That's your message, Lord. So, Lord, I thank you for what you're birthing from this place and just the outflow that is going to be to this city but beyond. Lord, I thank you for bringing my family here. I thank you for opening eyes to see beyond ourselves, Lord. Help us to never become complacent. And just live for ourselves, Lord. Help us to live awakened to who you are and to what you want to do, Lord. You want to redeem lives. You want to bring us back to you, Jesus. You want to restore brokenness. You want to make us whole. Not just for us, but so that we will overflow and pour out to those, to everybody that we come in contact with, Jesus. So from this city, may it overflow, Father God, to the greater regions. May your spirit flow out, Lord. We often speak about may we see spot fires lit throughout the city of Perth. Lord, I can see it through the nation of Australia. I can see it through the world, Lord. And it can start from just a small small spark that you start in the hearts of your people, Lord. So we just give ourselves again today. And we say, yes, here we are. Use us, take us. Let us see as you see. Let us go where you want us to go. Let us do what you want us to do, Lord. Because you are all about the one. So help us to see the one. It doesn't have to be a grandeur thing. But Lord, you just want our hearts to be yes to you and to what it is you want us to do. So we just pray, Lord, a blessing on this city. Let it prosper, Lord. 
let us see your prosperity flow through this city, through the hearts of people, lives transformed, families restored, lives redeemed for you, Jesus. And let us see the overflow beyond this city, Lord. Let us dream big as you, as you dream, as you see, Lord. Let us see and let us believe that you have the power to change our nation, Lord, just from a small spark. Let us never underestimate your power, Father God. So I pray a blessing, an abundance of blessing and what flows from this place, Lord. And I pray for hearts of faith to see it come to pass in Jesus' name. Amen. So we just end by prophesying over this city. And we just say, arise and shine, Rockingham. For your light has come. It's been darkness over the people but the Lord rises upon you. So we just declare whole marriages, stable families, a prosperity of businesses, prosperity of employment. We just declare zero unemployment. We just declare zero crime in this city. We just to cancel the assignment of the enemy. We just declare there's no domestic violence in this city. There is no drugs in this city. There's no brokenness in this city. There's no hunger in this city. There's no homelessness in this city. We just declare that this is a city of God's delight and it's reflected in its people, that this is a city that delights in the Lord. This is a city that declares that Jesus is their saviour and that they follow him in each and every day. City of Rockingham, you are God's delight and how you operate declares the goodness of God. So we just declare the goodness of God over the city. We declare the peace and prosperity over the city of Rockingham. And we choose today and every day that we will step forward and make a difference in our city. We will be the carriers of that light and we will bring it to this city. We will meet its needs. We will heal its hurts and we will raise people up to glorify you. Just declare this to bless you. We have no desire greater than to bless you, Jesus. We have no desire to be to seen or heard, but for you to be glorified, Jesus. And so we declare you are the glorious one. You are the worthy one. You are the beautiful one. And may everything that comes out of this house be something that glorifies you. We praise you and we bless you, our glorious Jesus. Amen. Thank you for coming today.